he is a big-time Jet fan, Kevin James. I was a running back in high school is that and right? college. This is when you realize the dream is kind of over. When you suck <laughs> at Division Three football. I think this podcast needs more cowbell. Will Ferrell. I also ran into John Elway in the bathroom. Could have, he could have given me a forearm shipper there. <laughs> You could have rammed my head. Larry David. No question I could be an offensive coordinator. Remember the Dan Marino play against the, the Jets? The fake spike. The fake spike? I had that years before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to a special Get You Ready for Canton edition of the Rich Eisen podcast. It is one of the most phenomenal events on the football calendar, the Hall of Fame induction weekend, because it not only gets you ready for the playing season, celebrating the return of football this year, despite the fact that there is no Hall of Fame game because of the fact that football went away. Not only does it celebrate the current level of the game and getting you set for a new playing season, it does so by honoring the lush history of the game. And this year, the enshrinee class is as good as it's ever been. And I'm not just saying that because one of my favorite people on planet Earth is going in. And joining me to kick off this edition of the Rich Eisen podcast is that said person, none other than Deion Sanders. Prime, how are you? My humble host. (laughs) I am happy to to be on the Rich Eisen podcast. You've not Uh, yet been. Long overdue. It is long Long overdue. overdue. Long overdue, I, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to um, use my status and friendship and relationship no. to get on this show. I want to earn it, and I, and I think I did. Well, you you always are welcome on this show. I just wanted to make sure that you, you, were, you were not only free, because you've got a busy schedule, but also I want to make sure that it was special. You know what I mean? The, right. fir- the first time's got to be special, Dion. It is. It, it is. The first time is special. And and I can't imagine a better way for, for you to make your podcast debut with me than a, in a week like this leading up to Canton, Ohio. But you, in your own special way, in your, your own unique way, is not making it about yourself, but about others. And I'd love for you to fill everybody in on how you are making your way to Canton, I'm Ohio. I'm on the rich. Eisen podcast right now, no, okay. and I'm sitting on bus number two. <laughs> two of seven buses that left Duncanville, Texas, at midnight a couple days ago, Sunday, to journey down to Memphis, where we stayed at the University of Memphis campus. We stayed on the dorms. We ate on the training table to get the kids acclimated, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, to a college campus, a college atmosphere. Now we're journeying to Louisville, Kentucky, where we'll play tonight as well, and we'll stay. Then we go to Akron, Ohio tomorrow to participate, to play three more games, then on the road to Canton. So you are with your entire football, youth football family. 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 The family. How many in total? How many in total? It's got to be, you know, we haven't done roll, but I'm sure it's 400 at least. It's a lot of people on these buses. The standing room only, I promise you. It's a beautiful thing. White, black, Hispanic, Asian, all social climates. A person that trickled from a three-story house with a swimming pool uh, sitting right next to a person living in the projects right now. And you would know them apart because the same goals, ambitions, dreams, and desires are being enhanced. And we're loving it. I mean, we're one big family. We're rolling. We're about to go to my favorite spot. 
the Golden Corral right now, Richard <laughs> How else yeah. can we feed 400 people in a couple hours yeah. except the Golden Corral? Now, why are you doing this, Dion? Because in my eight years that I've I've been in Canton, Ohio, covering this for NFL Network, all of the enshrinees, their heads spinning logistically to make this all work with their own, just their own families, with their own families and extended families, with aunts, uncles, cousins, also some coaches that were uh, obviously instrumental in your success as a football player. And it's so difficult just to keep that in line. Why would you go ahead and throw the door open to what sounds like another whole logistical uh, mess or nightmare? Why would you go ahead and, and, and make that circle 400 people larger, Dion. Well, Rich, they tell me the address to the Hall of Fame is actually 2121. <laughs> but that's not where I'm located. Where I'm located is with these kids 24 7, mm-hmm. 365. This is who I am. You know me like this. The mm-hmm. fans don't know me like this, but this is who I am. This is what I am, and this is how I am. I love what I do when I do what I love. I cannot think of participating in the Hall of Fame festivities without my family. And the Truth Youth Organization, they are my family. This is what I do on a daily basis. We're opening charter school in 2012, Prime U Academy. All these kids are going to be right there on a daily basis getting educated. And, you know, I trick these kids by utilizing sports to educate them. So it's a wonderful thing, man. We're so excited. I can think of doing it any other way, which I, I, I could never think about just packing a few suits, going to Canton, and being honored, you know, with just, friends and, and, and some family members. That, that's not me. This is what I do. I mean, and I love these babies and to see their faces, and I'm dumb enough to believe that one of these kids is watching that ceremony is going to start to dream and say, you know what? If Coach could do it, I could do it. Hmm. If Coach could do this, I can do this. That's the way I think, my man. And and so there are, is there going to be like a um, a truth section at Fawcett oh, Stadium yes. on, on yes, Saturday? there will be a truth section I'm going to try to remember because and you, you're you not going to be happy when you hear this I haven't put a pen to paper but I have thought about the speech but I haven't really sat down and digested it I've been so busy with trying to um, just undertaking a traveling you got to see this man we're just pulling up right now Rich these buses are coming in like we're about to take over the city it's, it's unbelievable now, I imagine you know, I mean like you're, you're talking seven, seven, buses. seven buses yeah we have two camera crews filming everything so we could capture these moments and put it on television so that people could really see this journey and, and how you travel across the country with 400 people, you know, kids and, and families of all race and ethnicity. It's just unbelievable. So I'm excited, man, to say the least. I, I really am excited. So we're, we're, ta- we're taping this just mere days before you have to step up. Now, clearly right. you, you're, you're used to stepping up and performing in the spotlight. Right. Uh, but you have not, you have not at all. Written. Written. I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer, humble host. I mean, you're a great writer. I've seen you do your things, man. But I'm not like that. I have to get it inside of me and get get some kind of structure, then just let it out. You know, writing stuff down on a piece of paper is it, sort of like keeping Vic in the pocket. Although he fared well in Philly last year in the pocket. He, he, that's not him. He has to get out, you know. So I got it kind of in my head. I got it in my head. And then I just want to get out of my head what I out of my mouth what I have in my head and hopefully it articulates itself in a in a presentable form of fashion. I just promise you this, I would not 
embarrass my humble host um, or NFL Network. <laughs> would, hey, listen, it's not about me or the network. You know that, but and and we're 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 behind you a hundred percent. Even even if you you do uh, the totally unexpected uh, on the stage and. You will not lay an egg. Nobody ever, no one ever, ever accused you of doing that. But I would love to know what is in your head and your heart as you're going through this right now. If, if you do allow yourself a moment of reflection amongst your kids uh, as you're making your way to Canton right now to be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Dion. Let me tell you this. What people really don't know, and I've never discussed because I get emotional when I talk about it, is... The reason I did a lot of things, the reason Primetime was created, the reason that he was um, this character that had a, 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 a capsule on his life was because of my mama, a promise that I made to her at age of seven. And I hope that I get into that and get all of it out of me that's been in me for years. It's, it's something that I was ashamed of something that happened, and I, I really want people to hear. That's the teaser. That's all I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you on that cliff. Okay. But I just got to get that out. I really got to get that out because a lot of it was because this mother, the incredible mother that I had. Both of my fathers are deceased, a stepfather and biological father. But my mother has been that constant the entirety of my career, and, and I don't know if many people know, but the only other constant in my career that's been there from day one is Eugene Parker. Uh, he's been there since day one. He's a great man. Never saw him out of character. Um, he's the presenter as well. Right. And so your mom, uh, where will she be? She will be sitting right there, front row. Okay. Front, front row, baby, front and center. Although she's not like that. She would never let me even buy her first class plane ticket in my whole career. She's she's not like that. She's, you know, very reserved, hard working woman, you know, a, a lot of my my core, especially the affinity for kids, we've always we've kept a foster kid or two um in our home. She's raising twins right now. Um is always was was one of my friends or one of my sister's friends that grew up with us because we always had kids around. So that's why I get the infection for kids and that love to go out and, and do the undone and give these kids a lot of dream and hope. Uh, it's right there for my mother, what I witnessed as a child. The thing that you always told me, uh, certainly when you're talking about um, players who come from difficult upbringings and uh, and then have difficulty at the professional ranks with their newfound fame and fortune, uh, the thing that you always told me about your life that resonated with me is that you told me that you never saw a grown man shave until you got to college. Never. Never, 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 never. The grown man never taught me how to tie a tie. Never saw a grown man shave from my biological father. And uh, and I and I shared this with many other guys amongst the league, like Chad and T.O., some of these guys. A man, a man never said those words, I love you. And you, you know how hard that is for a young kid. You know, when I saw Brandon Marshall on television the other day, just letting it all out, mm-hmm. like, I just wanted to go hug the TV because I understand it. You know, it made him come out in the form that everybody wanted to, but I understood it. I cut through the, the carcass and understood what was going on in his life. 
not having the peace or the joy to happiness throughout the career. And I, I understand that kid so candidly. And a lot of times, oftentimes, it comes from not being fathered, you know, not feeling the love, the compassion, which is still used just by your athletic ability. Someone always wants to profit off of you. So uh, I understand that, that journey. And I, I just hope that in the time allowed, I could introduce the public, the country, to where I am at this point of my life and where I've been in that limited time. Mm-hmm. I try, I'm going to try my best to do so. And, and, and I'm going to- Right. In your speech, as, again, you were going to reveal something that you that you made a promise to your mom mm-hmm. long ago. And this is what's going to basically be the heart of your speech. On that's, Saturday. Yeah, that's going to be the core. That's going to be the core. That's going to be the core. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the core. And I want to also talk about this game. It's a fascinating game. It's a wonderful game. It's an adorable game. It, it It's a game. And what this game did for me, uh, what this game did for my family, what this game did for many, how this game shaped me, the trans um, um, parency, what this game did for my life, how it's an it's analogy of life, how in this game I, had, I got knocked down, but I had to get back up. And I believe the situations in life as well. It, I just got to get it out, you know, get some kind of structure and get it out. It's going to be okay. I'm not concerned. No, I'm not concerned I'm just, either. I'm just concerned of how I'm going to feed all these people. Man, it's a line outside of Golden Corral right now. Yeah, I bet. All right. It's like they're giving away. I'm serious. It's like they're giving away something. Out well, there. I mean, you're in town, Dion. I mean, that's just the way it rolls. That's the way you, that's we the way are you roll. Deep. We but, are. Before I'm gonna I get a picture, I got to get somebody to get a picture and tweet this out. Yeah, right? tweet so it check, out. Check and, me out. And we'll, check me out. Check, can we get a picture of that line so we could get somebody to, to tweet it? Yeah, yeah, at Dion Sanders. To Rich I'm sending it straight to Rich Eisen. Yeah, please do that. I'll I'll, I'll retweet it. We'll put it on the uh, the podcast blog page before you it's before I let you go to Golden Corral. I know you got you got 15 million people pulling at you. Uh, who else is going to be there Saturday? Is is uh, Bobby Bowden going to be there? Who who's there from your? I don't, your past? I don't know, Rich. I'm I'm so detached from that part of it. I'm Are not really? that kind of guy. Yeah, I'm I'm so detached from all of that. I, I wonderful on. My aunt handled all of that at Constant Swartz. They did a great job of handling all of this. So I don't know. I, I know. I just got a call from a guy um, that the public called Ice Cube the other day and say, what's up with the Hall of Fame? So they called him back, and he said, I'm a man. I'm coming, man. I was waiting on y'all guys, you guys to call me. So <laughs> so it's guys like that. And let me tell you something that Roger Goodell would have to intercede next year because they would never allow – What's going to go on in the Hall of Fame this year? They probably would never allow it again. It's going to be some parameters after Marshall Falk and I get done with this thing. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not yet set to to reveal that. I I know what your plans are post game, but are you you're you're you're, yeah. you're keeping yeah, that? Rich, you're the Rich Eisen podcast, so it will be revealed. I mean, it's going to be a Snoop Dogg, Nelly, and Prime performance. You know, I'm performing with Snoop. No, but, that yeah, one yeah, I didn't yeah. know. The microphone will be in my hand. There has been a special song made. For you, boy, from my D.O. Double Jizzle. Is that, that right? We will, we will revisit live, and I'm excited. So you and and Nelly and it's Snoop. Snoop. It's gonna be a concert. When was right the, when was the last time you performed like that? When was the last time? It's been a while. It's been quite some time. It's been quite some time, but I'm, I'm going to have a good time doing it. But I need your help on one issue. Yes, and I, I, I really do because. You're my guy, and you've always kept it 100 with me, and you're going to set me straight. Always. I'm having a problem. Okay. 
I have three to four suits with me. <laughs> and I'm having a problem to choose between the cream, uh-huh. which is a cusser. What I mean by cusser, Rich, when you see me, you're going to use profanity. That's how clean this suit is. <laughs> okay. Then I have a black suit uh-huh. that's casket ready. Oh. What I mean by casket ready is, you know, when people die and they bury, they really look good. It's, it's good enough to be the suit that I go out in. That's how clean that one is. Uh-huh. Then I have a blue one that's called a get money blue. I mean, it just breathes <laughs> richness, success. It is fortunate. It, it breathes all of that. And that, that, goes, have, that, goes, it, with your, that, that goes with your cologne, right? Your cologne goes yeah, with that one. Yeah. Which is yeah, yeah. Rich Black Man. Right. Rich Black Man. Yeah, cologne. I'd be wearing that cologne as well. Rich Black Man cologne. <laughs> so, and I'm trying to choose. You yeah. know, I just I just leave it at those three. I haven't made the decision yet, but I, I just want you to help me. Just ponder the thought. You okay. don't have to give, you know, just ponder the well, thought. I can give you, let me know. I can give you a snap judgment. I mean, okay, I'll, give me a snap I'll also give you a snap I mean, judgment. Uh, the the uh, casket ready uh, black. I'm I. You know, that's a little bit too morbid. You're celebrating life. You're celebrating. Uh, I like that. You're, I like ce- it. you're I celebrating like life. You're celebrating a a, a, a you know um, uh, a second act as well. Because again, you're bringing you're bringing these kids there. It's it's about right. it's about showing them the light. So I, I'm not a fan of that one. Okay, I like I that. Think, that's a great analysis. Well, I, that's who you are, though. That's, that's why snap, I come to you like that. That's the snap judgment. Don't forget, though, you are going to have a new gold jacket as well. Uh, Rich, Rich, well, can I see? You gave me some good wisdom. Mm-hmm. Then you took it back because you said, don't forget. And you forgot who you were talking to. <laughs> but you, you forgot that I started off with the swatch from the jacket. That was FedEx to my tailor, uh, and they made the suit based on the swatch. Wait a minute. And the shoes were created based on the swatch of the jacket, so I can't believe you would even make that mistake. No clearly, clearly, I have missed, misstepped and misspoken. Yes. So yes. just again, you got the swatch yes. of, a, of a real deal Hall of, Hall of yes. Fame gold jacket. And I made two backups. Let me, let me tell you, there are two backup jackets. How many okay. how many buttons are these jackets? No, no, no. I'm going to be in. I'm going to be in proper attire. I'm okay. not going to step out from amongst the rest. Okay. I'm going to be in proper attire. But there are three jackets. Yes. Okay, one, the Hall of Fame constructed um, by mm-hmm. the measurements from my tailor, which I've been with over two decades and never cheated on in my life. <laughs> now, never cheated on. My You've tailor. been monogamous with your tailor. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He's happy. He's so happy with me and our relationship. <laughs> it's faithful. Okay. Now, there's another jacket that my tailor is making, just in case the jacket that the Hall of Fame folks have been entrusted to make mm-hmm. is not on point. Okay. And there's another third jacket that should adorn the wonderful sponsors that have been with me that's making this whole event possible. So I could get them some, some TLC as well. Okay. And then you so made... That's it, it, called my NASCAR Hall of Fame jacket. <laughs> it's like on the hood and on the sides. Yeah. And, and yeah. but you made a full suit out of it, though. You made a no, no, not not of the jacket. Okay, I, the jacket. I just wanted to match the shoes oh, and the different accessories, you know, from from the jacket. No, I, I didn't make a full suit out of the gold because I wanted the gold to stand out like it, it should. Okay. So you know that's a that we 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 dressed from the swatch and we started from the swatch. Yeah, man, they broke the mold. And 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 yeah, they did. They and, did. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the bust, how how did you have anything to do with that design? Yeah, I did. I did. The last I saw him, he wasn't quite prime ready yet. But he, he wasn't. He, he really wasn't yet. But I, I trust the guy that's doing it, and I'm sure he's been working his butt off. No, wait, wait but the last I saw, now one thing I will tell you. Yeah. Now, and we may share this this statement. Now, okay. if you give a guy the authority to make his bust like he desired it, you think I'm going to have a bald-headed bust? No, I was about to. No, 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 no. My hair is going to be flowing like milk and honey. <laughs> Like yeah. like activator Jerry Curl milk and yeah honey, like or? a young prime yeah yeah I want to bring back a young prime okay yeah, yeah. that's how you're Something's going, going in. Like, yeah I got hair I just, I'm just gonna tell you that I have hair on the bust and when you just said that it's been a while since you saw him were you referring to the bust in the second yeah, person the right there in the second person yes I've been, it's been a while since I saw him <laughs> yeah we're like yeah I haven't saw, seen him in quite some time but. <laughs> They were shaping him up really nicely, uh-huh. probably about two months ago. I don't know. He hasn't even called. He hasn't even called. <laughs> he hasn't even called. And I don't understand that because I gave him a cell phone everything. Man. Right. Yeah, uh, from Verizon, one of my sponsors. There you go, of Verizon. course. There you go. Yeah. There's a sponsor. Had to get that in there. Oh, one and only, Dion. I yeah. cannot wait to celebrate this moment with you and Mrs. P and your biological kids and your your extended kids that you referred to as your kids from your from your football uh, camps. I can't wait to see this all play out, yeah. Dion. It the is truth will be there. You go see a bunch of them, and you, when you see truth, they're my baby. Well, my again, we just and I'm glad that we're you know we're giving them the the due that they deserve because this is not. I'm just speaking to people who are hearing this for the first time. This is not BS. This is this is the truth. This is the real deal, Dion. This is what you can. This is this is your DNA. This is what right. you do. This is what you're doing right now. And I'm so glad to hear that you're bringing the bus loads and you're and and the kids are going to see this firsthand. They'll never forget it. They'll never forget it. They never forget it. They, they won't. And I'm being filmed right now on oh. Rich Eisen's podcast. Is that right? I'm being filmed right now. I'm I'm looking in the camera, Rich. It, I just want to paint the picture. Immortalized. I'm pointing in the camera saying, I'm being filmed right now while I'm live on the Rich Eisen podcast. Dion, thanks yeah. for calling in. Appreciate it. You're a good man. No, please. Right I back you, at man. you. Same to you. I love you, too. I'll see you in Canton. See you in Canton. Can you, can you answer one more question for please. me? Please. What do you got? In the little Eisen's... <laughs> Right now. Yeah. We we have two now, and I'm happy yes, that do. you kept them together. You got back in there like a good man would. <laughs> got back in there. Kept they're two and, a, they're oh, two and a half yeah. years apart, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. you got back in there. I'm happy about that. Right. But is there a microphone in the strollers? Or a ball in the strollers. No, there's there's a there's a there's a ball in there. If they choose to go the path of the microphone one day, I would clearly foster that and make sure. But I want to make sure that they choose their own path, Dion. You know what I'm so saying? So when they said daddy and mommy, you didn't tell them. You know, you didn't give them voice lessons like no. daddy, like enunciating the whole word. Exactly. <laughs> They have not had diction lessons yet. First, not yet. One of them has to stop drooling first before that actually happens. Oh, but, okay. but, but tr- truly, I, I want them. I, I want. I want them to be major leaguers. You know, or oh, okay, I like that. I'm putting. The, I, hey, listen, you can appreciate this too, Dion. I am putting the ball in their left hand so they could be good making man. millions You're when they're good man. when they're You're a good man when they're fifty. They can be one third of an inning specialists making gajillion dollars and taking care of their. There dad. you go. And whenever you see them walk around the house, for me, just tell them to get the knees up and hand behind the head, <laughs> and we're straight. All right, get the knees up. Their uncle Dion tells them to hold it up. 
Uncle Prime. There um, you go, Uncle buddy. Prime. All right, tell Susie I said hi, and All I love right. her. And I know she's back in playing condition right now. She's <laughs> she's not failing the, the conditioning test like Hainsworth. I know she's passing everything. She has, as you said, snap back. Snapback. Yeah. She has a snapback ability. She, she needs to put it in a bottle and sell it. It's, it's unbelievable <laughs> what she did to that dress that night. That was my 40th birthday. Yes. You're the best. Say hi to Mrs. P. Oh, I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. All right, buddy. You take care. You bet. That's the one and only right. Dion Sanders here on the Rich Eisen podcast. I mean, they truly broke the mold. I clearly have to uh, explain what he was talking about, about with my wife and her red dress. It was my 40th birthday party. My wife uh, killed it. She crushed it. Red dress and all. And uh, Dion was there. Now, the party was in Southern California in the middle of June. Dion, as he just heard, he's a he is a family man, also a youth football coach. June, he's doing all sorts of stuff. But he flew out for the party, period. Flew out, hung out, flew back. That is the type of team player he is. And he'd do that for anybody here at NFL Network. Really, that is again just uh, why I'm telling that part of the story. That uh, unbeknownst to me, my wife called up Dion said, "Hey, do you want to come? You should be invited anyway." And he actually did. Got on a plane, flew out to Southern California, showed at the party, hung for two hours, hung with everybody, shook hands, took pictures from people because you know obviously he is he is definitely as I mentioned in a previous podcast the most famous person I've ever walked through an airport with. Everybody, all walks of life, men, women, young, old, they all flock to him. And he he um, he hung out with everybody, got on a plane, flew home. That's the type of guy he is. Love that man. Psyched that he's going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So we've been obviously talking about him all week on NFL Network. Marshall Falk also. He's one of our guys too. Ed Sable going in. I don't know if anybody saw that special that NFL Films put together that we aired this week on NFL Network. Uh, if you didn't, you got to see Ed Sable, King of Football Movies. Superb, fantastic. It's re-airing Saturday of Hall of Fame weekend, I guess after the ceremony or leading up to it. Just check your local listings, as they say. Um, and Shannon Sharp was feted this week with a documentary on our network too. Guys that have been in the spotlight because they're on TV, or in this case of Ed Sable, created uh, a medium, which is uh, films for the National Football League. One guy that's sort of lost in this mix is Richard Dent, who is a god in Chicago. The only Chicago Bear that could call himself a Super Bowl MVP. He was the Super Bowl MVP of that blowout Super Bowl twenty win over the New England Patriots. He's sort of lost in that shuffle. The Super Bowl shuffle, if you will. And um, and that's why I'm going to have him call on the podcast. So let's get right to Richard Dent, the only Super Bowl MVP of the Chicago Bears. Richard, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Hanging in there. How about yourself? I'm fine. Hanging in there. That's an interesting choice of words. Uh, are, are you getting a are, is it you're getting a little bit ramped up here? Nervous? How do you how can you express your feelings as you're getting ready finally for this moment in the Canton Sun? Well, you know, I'm just uh, expanding my business and 
and this new uh it's kind of like a wedding you know this this party and you got and we got about four three fifty to four hundred people coming out and and changes here and there, so you got a lot of things moving parts taking place and just trying to keep them in order is a task itself. I'm sure my people be glad when this part is over because uh it's it's been it's been a tough one, but I look forward to it you know it's uh it's been a long day coming, and uh, you know uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, wanted to see me there uh, for quite some time. So everybody's looking forward to it. Yeah, because it was a, how long of a wait exactly was it for you, Richard? I, I can't recall. It's somewhere between seven, eight years or so. But uh, you know, the fact that you know it's it's here's better. Late than never. Yes, right. Uh, of but, course. Uh, you know. You know. Once your work is done, it's done. But uh, you know. So uh, don't like I say. I'm a. I'm a rookie to this, so it'll yes. be the first time. So you know, I'll do <laughs> what I can do as as I can do it. You know. I like it. That, and that's part of the beauty of the Hall of Fame is all time greats such as yourself. That's a great way to put it. It you do become rookies again, and people like Deacon Jones will remind you of that Richard. Well, you know, Deacon, and we go back a long ways. You know, I, I met Deacon my first year, my last year coming out of college. I was getting a Jay Gaither Award down in Atlanta, and uh, I saw him walk into the hotel with the two ugliest women in my life I've ever seen, <laughs> him with that Jerry Carroll. And he's, you know, that's how Mr. Jones, I'm the one that's picking up the trophy. And he said, oh, okay. See, well, you know what, you need to come up to my room and let me tell you about that position before you go out there and, and F it up, right? So I said, yeah, okay. I said, I'm, you know, I'm from the school of great defensive ends, you know, and uh, called Humphrey, you know, Elam Jones and Tutal Jones. And so that was my first, <laughs> that was my first meeting with, with him. <laughs> and what did, what did he teach you about the position? Well, yeah, I didn't know. Obviously, I didn't go up there to look at that. Well, I mean, the two people he had with him. <laughs> There's no reason for me to go up there and look at that. I, I was better off going back to the streets. <laughs> oh, man. He is, he is, I mean, he is, he's supposed to be there this weekend, too, Deacon. I've, I've heard. I, I look forward to seeing him, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a special room, special class, you know, 260 something guys. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's a great honor and, uh, um, you know, again, like I say, you know, you you become a rookie again, and and uh, you get that day over, and and you're enshrined forever. So you know, that's uh, that's something that my kids can work upon and and take a legacy and continue letting it grow. And um, who will you be? I mean, if you allow yourself to pause for a little bit of reflection right now, which is all you're going to be doing all weekend when you have a minute to breathe. Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking about right now, Richard, as you're entering the end of this journey here? Football well, you know, it's it's you know, it's a couple people that you know not living now, you know, and when you look at the weight itself, the weight is that you know, uh, it's elder people that made a big part in your life. My you know, my mother passed in '89. My college coach, my high school coach, who actually put and took me to school and dropped me off. I mean, Tennessee State wanted the other guys and not me, and he just pushed me in the deal. Otherwise, I wouldn't – there's no way I would be here in Chicago and no way I would be anywhere talking about in Canton. You know, obviously my father's from Akron, 
So, you know, uh, but I had a chance to acknowledge him uh, in 08 uh, at the Hall of Fame of, uh, in the state of Georgia. Uh, he would have been the guy, you know, to bring me in, but uh, Coach Gillum is still living, unfortunately. You know, he in his high 80s, but uh, have everything upstairs still working well. So, you, you know, it, it's important to, to me, you know, it's a big thank you, you know, to many people that played a part. I think those are the, the three people that I have to look at that, uh, one, put me in a situation, two, I, you know, I went for it. Who from your championship Bears days are going to be there? Uh, we have quite a few guys that's going to be there. Uh, Gary Fenton could be there, Otis Wilson, uh, Jimbo Covert, uh uh, I think Tim Reitman, uh, Steve McMichael, uh, Dan will be there, um, uh, Jim Osborne, uh, uh, Neil Anderson. Uh, um, uh, uh, gosh, I mean, uh, it's 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 quite a few guys that's coming in. Uh, oh, uh, Mike Richardson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, uh, we have a. We have quite a few guys. Actually, Otis Wilson having a golf tournament tomorrow. And nice. We're gonna play in that and jump on the plane and come on in tomorrow night. Did you did you reach out to Coach Ryan to Buddy? Buddy, I you know I I haven't talked to Buddy. I understand he's not doing too well right, right. now, you know. And uh, but uh, you know Dale Hop, my defensive line coach, he's coming and. Uh, John Lever, uh, who's a defensive line coach of mine, he's coming. And, uh, uh, yeah, Bill Tobin, a gentleman who uh, really sure. wanted me to go much earlier than I went. Uh, my advocate there, he will be coming. So uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's nice. To, you know, the, the, the president of uh, uh, Tennessee State, when I went there, is coming. And the new president, they're bringing the band for me. Nice. So, you know, we're looking to, you know, to be Tennessee State first Hall of Famer, which is 100 years, which is next year. You know, you couldn't ever told me that. You know, which I grew up watching Claude Humphrey in Atlanta and Tommy Nobis and, and had the fortune to go to Tennessee State. You're talking about, you know, Claude and Two Tall is Two Tall's first pick in '74. Sure. And Claude was third, I think, in '71 or '72. And, yeah, I didn't know about these guys until, you know, as I went on in, in life. But, you know, Claude, I, you know, I, I, I played, I played with his attitude with with Muhammad Ali swagger. Nah. That's <laughs> that's my game. <laughs> what was it like when Buddy first arrived on the scene in Chicago, Richard? What was it like there? Well, longer? you know, when I got there, Buddy was there, and obviously the guys had put out a petition to keep Buddy uh, to uh, George Hallis, and Hallis decided to make Buddy. Uh, you know, continue being a defensive coordinator and told him he could be there as long as he liked. And while you hired Mike, Mike Dicka, and, you know, it was a you know, it was a task from then on. It was, you know, Buddy couldn't get rid of Dicka, and Dicka couldn't get rid of Buddy. So, you know, it was <laughs> what it was is what it was. Right. And you figure out who you work, who you work with, and that's the side that you stayed on. <laughs> so, but the players never felt caught in between of all that? Well, you, you know, you, you caught in between because one guy, you know, actually have the job as the head coach, you know, but both guys run their side of the ball. So you figure it out. You know, you're gonna, the guy tell you you're going to play, you get ready to play. When coach, head coach may say you won't, but 
you know, then when time comes up, you're on the field. So, I mean, who do you work for? I mean, you work for the Bears, but, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, during the game, uh, you know, your coordinator make the calls, you know. So it was it was crazy. I mean, it was pretty crazy. I remember my our first uh, Pro Bowl and uh, Ronnie Lott was uh, rolling up and back and Mike told Ronnie, get your ass back. And, and, and Buddy was telling, rolling him up. Ronnie didn't know what to do. He, this he, is in the Pro Bowl? This is in the Pro Bowl because you can't roll the safety up, right? Right. So, yeah, but Buddy was practicing rolling him up, and and uh, Mike was was mad, telling him to stay back, and and then Buddy, you know, he looks over the sideline. I'm standing, you know, I'm standing there. Hey, Richard, tell these assholes who who out there run this defense. I said, you do, Coach. He said, well, you guys, you hear that? Get it done. And I'm like, you know, and, and I remember going back on the on the bus back to the hotel, and 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 Joe. Joe, uh, Joe uh, said, "Man, now I can see why you guys are so crazy, you know." <laughs> and Joe Montana said, "Hell, you know, when the head coach speak, we used to seeing people run, but now I see why you guys are so crazy." Yeah, they they turn yeah. you and say, "How do you deal with this?" <laughs> that was every day, you know. It was every day was something like that, like you know what's going on. How so, did you guys deal with that? Hey, I mean, we in some ways, you know, Mike was was tough in some ways, meaning, you know, how he, you know, he kept everybody edgy, you know, he kept everybody, you know, on their toes, but yet then you got Buddy, you know, he kept things a certain way. He was more relaxed to the defensive players because certain things we didn't want to do, like, you know, Buddy would want to make us run before the before practice, and Dick had us running after practice, so obviously we was in great shape, you know, and we made a bet that said that, you know, if we continue winning, we'll cut out these 10 and 10s or, you know, these gassers. He said, okay. So we got on a roll, <laughs> so we didn't have to do those running. But Buddy liked to see you, you know, run, be a little bit, you know, out of breath, and then go through walkthroughs, you know, kind of get that way of you would be in the game when you start walking through your checks. Not just standing there feeling comfortable, get you in an uncomfortable feeling than walking through your uh, through, through your checks of defense and what we was trying to do. That's Super Bowl year. At what point did you realize you had something special on your hands? Well, we knew we had something special uh, after we lost against the 49ers in uh, 84, and we looked, and it was, I think it was 21 or 23 to 3, and and we realized these guys were going to the Super Bowl. You know, I, I think as a young team, we didn't really appreciate and understood how close we were. And on that ride home, we said, you know, we was going to come back and, and win it all, hands down. Not come back and be undefeated, but come back and win it all and you know first game of the season was 21 nothing down with Tampa Bay and we had that reflection then at that time at at halftime came out I got a tip ball Leslie Frazier caught it took it in for a touchdown and uh, that was all she wrote Hmm. and and then that was when you realized that this thing was moving in the right direction well yeah I mean we clicked and you know at halftime there, you know, everybody was pointing in this and that, and we just said, you know, you remember that ride that we had coming from San Francisco, what we committed ourselves to do. You know, if 21, you know, everybody was beating Tampa Bay at that time. And hell, you know, we can go out here and make a change, or we can regroup next week. So we made a change, and we didn't look back.
ever since. Mm-hmm. What was that Monday night like in Miami, that famous Monday night where the <laughs> Dolphins basically, as they always say, they kept the they kept the flame of that undefeated season still shining? Yeah, that was, you know, we uh, when we start looking down the schedule, you know, we had made the Super Bowl shuffle and everybody was a little probably pissed off at our attitude and all. But, you know, we were competent to, you know, getting back to the playoffs and getting to the Super Bowl. And we looked at the last five or six games and, you know, some of the guys were trying to maybe go down there early, get a little practice in, and, and want to. So some guys, we talked to Buddy, and obviously since Buddy came up with the idea and talking to Mike, and, you know, it, it didn't happen because Mike didn't come up with the idea. So, mm-hmm. But we realized that that <laughs> was crazy. the last team that probably could stop us and we could go undefeated. But uh, we went down, you know, it's just, you, you know, they had all kind of ghosts running around there. I was tripping <laughs> over stuff and they was half rolling from me and throwing the ball quick. And, you know, which, you know, Dan Marino's throwing the ball. And I mean, he, he's quick he, enough. He, he's, he's quick enough. You don't even need to throw it quick. Mm-hmm. He was already quick, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, it, it, it was, you know, it, it was, it was a game that, uh, you know, we were looking forward to, but then again, after we lost, we said, well, yeah, this is the team that we're going to see in the Super Bowl. It's a very, you know, it's a very good chance when you look at it. Them and the Raiders was a too hot team at that time, and they let the Patriots go from a wild card to the Super Bowl. You know, and we had just paid the Patriots a week or two after that, and, and you know, the Patriots wasn't, you know, someone that we was really worried about at that time. So it was, to me, you know, like I say, I think the championship game is is a game that you will always remember, especially if you can win it on your home turf. You know, the Super Bowl is all about just going and taking care of business. Well, you certainly did that. And you certainly on that day looked like you didn't have much concern about the Patriots as well. Mm-hmm. What was that like leading up to that game, Richard? Well, you know, I really would like to saw the Miami Dolphins, really, but you know, they couldn't show up. So, and I tell, I tell Dan, I'm so glad he probably didn't make it. <laughs> you know, because who knows what it would have been like. You know, and him and Jimbo Covert are very, very good friends of mine, and, and I hated to, to put that kind of, you know, whooping on him. But uh, <laughs> fortunately, it didn't take place. But you know, again, it was all about taking care of business. You know, we knew we was a favorite. When you're a favorite, you got to act like the favorite. And, I mean, you've got to take a spe- special pride. Obviously, it's a team game. But the fact is that the Chicago Bears have won just one Super Bowl. And, yeah. and Papa Bear, Hallis won just one Super Bowl. Obviously, there were some great moments. Yeah. But there's only one Super Bowl MVP is a Chicago Bear. Well, yeah, that's the disappointing and, part, though. But go ahead. No, I mean, so what, what, what was that day like for you, Richard? Well, you know, for me at that time, I mean, here's a guy that comes from nowhere that, you know, uh, didn't supposed to go to college to play football and, and finally found himself, started on the offensive player and went to defense and made some of myself. And now I'm in the league and, you know, uh, uh, making 70, 80 grand and, and kind of put myself in a position to, uh, to have a future in the game. And, uh, you know, at that time we were negotiating contracts and, uh, 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 you know, I, I really didn't worry about what I came in with. Whatever I got was more than what I had in my pocket. And I was interested in, uh, you know, doing what's about to happen this weekend is to 
make a name for my family and make a name for my community and, uh, uh, you know, and make my people happy about me. Mm -hmm. And that Super Sunday, you certainly did that. I mean, there's no there's no question about that, Richard. Oh, this is true. I mean, we used to compete with each other week in and week out on the on the defense, you know, and, uh, you know, we we always say if we, you know, it's, it's hard for someone to beat us, you know, uh, if we compete with one another we can only beat ourselves so when you went from offense to defense make a name for yourself were you at all wanting the football in a situation that the refrigerator perry kept getting the football richard did you ever lobby to say hey why don't you give it to me on the two-yard line at some point no you know i i I went to mike and told him i love to play tight end because actually that's what i wanted to do when i went into college and they made me an offensive lineman you know 210 five pounds i'm looking who am i going i mean i'm not going to push anybody and I can look at, you know, I do the math and see how long it's going to take me to play. I mean, I may play my senior year. I'm like, I, I didn't come here for that. And uh, I watched the defense for many years, you know, for not many years, but many times to see what was taking place there. And uh, I decided to uh, start sharpening my defensive play on the on the dummy squad to uh, to be a better, you know, to be a better player and, and – uh, Eventually, the offense decided to, you know, move me on. I, you know, uh, erupted plays a lot, and and uh, you know, and finally they told me, you know, after my spring and that summer, after my first year, uh, they told me I was on, I was going to defense. So within about two, three weeks, I was in the starting lineup, and again, that's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. But so, do you never wanted? You never wanted. To score touchdowns yeah, for the Bears, I, I, I mean, I would love to play tight end for the Bears on you know goal line or whatever it may be. Yeah. So you what know? happened? Just, I don't know. It just didn't happen. Mike didn't 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 like it. I didn't want to accept it. You know, the start of the game, if if you know me and every guys who play with me, when I hit the field, the first thing I do, I get in the line with the wide receivers. I mean, to me, it's concentrating on the ball, seeing the ball in. You know, no blinking, one hand catch. Do one down and one up, and I go back to my defensive line, and we when we start the game. That's that's what you do. That's that's what I do. You know, that's all about just concentration. Mm-hmm. You know, concentration on the ball, which leads concentration on the individual that's in front of you. I got to ask you this question too, because I'm really curious, uh, and I know it might bring up a sore point for Bears fans or whatever. But here's the Super Bowl. Ball's right on the doorstep, and there's there's sweetness, right? Mm-hmm. And and the ball goes to the fridge. Did anybody there sit there and say, "How in the world are we not handing the ball off to Walter Payton in a Super Bowl so this guy can have that on his resume?" It's the only thing missing from that man's resume, pretty much. Is that was anyone else thinking that? Because I sure was thinking that sitting in my on my couch, sitting at home watching that game. Well, I think that that's uh, you know everybody. Uh, I mean, when the game we're lopsided, and when we first started the game, you know. Okay, Walter put one on the ground. You know, we went in the game saying that we was going to do three shutouts after we had gotten two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Walter came in and, you know, they, they put one on the ground. But, you know, I mean, he, he he got us there, you know. So, for whatever reason, the Patriots was, you know, tagging on him, hitting him well and stopping him. But the point of it is, you know, it's it just like uh, no one would take a Dan Marino or 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 a, or a uh, Brett Favre, get him to the Super Bowl, and not and not allow him to throw a touchdown. 
you know, and Walter is just as big, bigger than those guys and just as great, you know, and he was the heart of the team. And if you get there, I mean, hell, if you got to give it to him, five, you know, four or five times, that's what you have to do to get it in there for him. But, you know, uh, but, you know, he was such a instrumental part in my game just watching him play. You know, I would love to watch him do his thing when we gather in a huddle and before games and he would move his hands from his thighs to his legs and say, don't do what I say, do what I do. You know, and he may say heads, but he don't move his hands. You know, if he moves, yeah, smaller things like that, then when you see him go to work, it just goes on. It goes on and on and on. And and I've always said that, you know, that's somebody you want to pattern yourself at as a how you treat the game and how you play the game. And now you're going to be in the same room as him forevermore, Richard. Uh, again, yeah, yeah, I can't believe it, but uh, I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing you there too. Thanks for ch- thanks for calling into the podcast, Richard. Uh, uh, I guess a pre pre congratulations, and I look forward to seeing you as I'm sure you will uh, be all over the place in Canton uh, this weekend. So congratulations in advance. Uh, thank you, sir. You bet. Thank you. That is Richard Dent. Pro Football Hall of Famer and champion Chicago Bear joining the podcast. Hall of Fame induction week is the time where we celebrate the present by honoring the past. It's an incredible convergence of football roads from the past to the present. And of course, you know, we always talk about the future and and uh, I love it. It's just an incredible week, especially because of where it is right in the middle of the country. Uh, uh, the cradle of football. The people who put the event on care so much and put all, all of their emotions and energy into making sure that everyone not only has a great time, but everybody leaves talking about the sport, the sport, and and what it means. It's an incredible. Uh, it's an incredible thing to personally witness, and not enough people uh, know about that. And just like any other business, any other business, there are uh, people that you come across who are salt-of-the-earth individuals whose contributions very rarely get hailed and discussed. And in this particular instance, that's about to end because we're, we're going to do that for my next guest here. He is the Vice President of Communications and Exhibits at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, Joe Horrigan. How are you, Joe? I'm great, Rich. Thank you for that. That's very that, nice. That is a true story. That is a true story, Joe. You're one of my favorite people uh, that, that I've met in any walk of life, not just this business. And you, 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 what you do and, and how you go about it, it, it really is uh, something to behold and, and praise. Um, and I'd love to, I want, what I want out of this interview is for people at the end of our chat to go, I had no idea that's what goes on behind the scenes at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, and to that, I want to start with how many people, how many people from, I guess, what Stark County, correct, where you are in yeah, Ohio? Yeah. How many people from the Stark County area? Are involved in this? Uh, we have over four thousand volunteers working to put on these events. And what I'll start with, Rich, but you know, but uh, a lot of your uh, listeners will not. In that is that the Hall of Fame and Shrine ceremony is the crowning event mm-hmm. of a ten-day period 
that has 17 events. 17 events. Period. It's like a ribs cook-off, right? no, there, There's everything. What do you have? Well, there, you know, there's uh, everything from hot air balloon competition. <laughs> it looks like, why you know, not? Yeah, why not? Sure. Well, what Hall of the... Famer hasn't been in a hot air balloon? <laughs> or, or has hot air. Well, I was going to say, you know, we start with hot air balloons, we end up with hot air speeches, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but there's concerts, fireworks, races, uh, you name it. it it's uh, it's kind of like Mardi Gras for 10 days in Canton, Ohio. And it's, so it starts, like, the enshrinement ceremony is the Saturday night. That is correct. And and the events begin when? A week before? Well, literally Thursday, last Thursday, they uh, they began with the hot air balloon, or I'm sorry, with the fireworks, first fireworks, uh-huh. and the hot air balloons were Friday and Saturday, and uh, Sunday was the uh, 5K race. Uh, today we're just kind of gearing up more for what's beginning uh, in kind of in the, in the, in the community type of uh, events. Right. And so um, clearly that all culminates with uh, the weekend. And, mm-hmm. and that essentially for your job is to is to make sure that the events that just in, involve the enshrinement ceremony right. um, goes smoothly. And yeah. that includes you. You deal with the networks, too. You deal with NFL Network. You deal with ESPN. You deal with everybody. Yeah. Correct? yeah. It's, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, this is uh, our culminating event. And, and throughout the year, this is a year-long process for us. As you know, we have the now we have the announcement show on NFL Network, yes. which is a great... By the way, I want to tell you, you, you something. Tell you something. Yes. That announcement show, mm-hmm. just naming the, who's been elected on the Saturday before the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. drew a ratings... Uh, so close to the actual enshrinement show of no 2000. Kidding. I mean, that's you know that's how grand this has gotten. You know, our enshrinement in 2000 had a had a cable rating that was just slightly better than what the show announcing the class was. Isn't that great? That is terrific. And it is it, it, because part of this um, involves the learning of your selection. I mean, absolutely, that, that's, that's just as humongous. As the day itself, because technically you I mean you've been chosen. I know you've got to wait for the 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 weekend and the actual ceremony to become official. But really, in a way, you've been selected the Saturday before the 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 Super Bowl. No that's one... correct. That's correct. And that's people lose sight of that, you know, because you know we try to make a you know a bit a bit of a splash with our you know announcement of the preliminary nominees, and all those guys are excited and honored that they were even nominated. And then to the twenty five, the semifinalists. But that fifteen show, that's the one where we you know we start saying, okay, now we're really getting down to it. And then, you know, the Saturday before the Super Bowl, we announced the class. I mean, that's, you know, we have uh, from February to August to keep these guys pulling their hair out. In some instances, uh, <laughs> getting the, the, the plans and their family and friends uh, taken care of and getting them to Canton. It's a huge undertaking for them. We know that. So, you know, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of planning, both here in Canton and each individual's uh, personal planning. It's, you know, it's ex- extremely difficult and involved and um uh, we always tell the Hall of Famers, please come back next year because you won't remember anything from your experience yeah, no, this it's, year. It's like a wedding, you know, yeah. like you need to, you know, we were told, my, my wife and I on our wedding day, take three minutes to stand in the corner of the room and take it in because you will not remember the rest of, of the ceremony. You Absolutely. just won't. Absolutely. And it's similar, it's similar for all these Hall of Famers who essentially come into town when? What, what day do they usually arrive? Well, we get arrive them in here uh, starting on Thursday, generally speaking, sometimes a day early just for whatever works for them and sometimes it's a little easier to get a day early before all the uh, hubbub gets started but thursday is when we first officially greet them with a reception it's called our board of trustees reception where they get a chance to uh 
uh, come to a, uh, a reception, I keep using the word reception, mm-hmm. uh, where all the returning Hall of Famers are gathered as well. It's a private uh, uh, party, and we'll have this year we'll have 80 returning Hall of Famers wow. there to say hello. That's so, a nice number. Right oh, it's there. a great number. It's a great number, and, and you've been around it. You've seen it. These guys, they love talking to each other and sharing stories. And I had one of our Hall of Famers uh, last year who had not been here in a long time, uh, and I went to visit him. I asked him, you know, you know, gee, you ought, to, you ought to come back more. And he said, well, you know, these guys don't know me. They don't remember me. I said, gee, for crowns, they, they know you in the sense that they know you're a Hall of Famer, they know about you. Right. I said, when you get here, you know, it's not a question of do they remember you. It's you're part of the family. Well, anyway, long story short, he did come, and he called me right away. He said, look, he said, I am so glad you convinced me to do that. He says, that was so much fun. I met guys, you know, Hall of Famers that I've never met before who are now feel like, a, you know, my, part of my family. Now, so, I don't even want to call this guy out, but uh, is he coming back this, this well, year? Well, he's actually, uh, he's out of the country this year. So, oh, yeah, but it happens. But he will be back more. That's good. I mean, so, so Thursday night is the dinner. Because, again, by the end of the conversation, I think everyone will realize that the Enshrinees shake the hands of every human being <laughs> in Canton <laughs> no by the ends it. of the weekend. No doubt about you know, it. Uh, because, uh, so, so Thursday is that event. Then Friday. Then Friday morning, mm-hmm. you know the, the, the big one for these guys. Right. That's our Ray Nitschke luncheon. And that's where, uh, again, our returning Hall of Famers have a private luncheon with the new class, in which the new class just sits and listens. They're not allowed to speak. And the, the old veterans get up there and kind of give them the once-over. You know, here's, here's what it is to be a Hall of Famer. Here's what you're expected to do. Here's how we expect you to behave. And then they start telling stories. They take you know, time and make fun of each other and whatnot. Uh, used to have the privilege of sitting in that meeting, but they threw us all out. <laughs> yeah, because, again, this is, this is basically a members-only yeah, meeting, yeah. correct? It, it, yeah, it got out of control, to be honest with you. You know, it started by saying, well, you know, we ought to have a few of the staff in there for no other reason to p- pass the microphone around. Mm-hmm. And then pretty soon it grew a little bit more and a little bit more. And before we knew it, there were more non-Hall of Famers than there were Hall of Famers. So uh, we were kindly asked by our Hall of Famers, let's clean it up and go back to what we used to have where we were more candid and we could talk more directly to the guys. And that was perfect with us. We're, we were all for it. And and it's called the Ray Nitschke Luncheon because he used to host the yeah, luncheon, he, right? Host is a kind word. He'd get up and get in <laughs> our faces. And if you know Ray, uh, he was he was not what you would call the most eloquent speaker, but boy, he got his point across. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys, the guys loved it. They really did, you know. And uh, when he passed away so prematurely, this was his this was his lunch. And they said that there's nobody that will ever replace him because he he held court in there. He said so in honor of him, we're going to name it the Ray Nitschke Luncheon. Right. And it basically, it's the, the it, it's the the current Hall of Famers hazing the incoming class. I mean, yeah, let's use much. it's sort of like they they give him grief. They give him uh, from what I was told. Because mm-hmm. again, you know, I'm I'm not in there either. Um, this is where the incoming class, the current Hall of Famers, returning Hall of Famers, all take bets on which one is going to cry yeah. during the induction ceremony, correct? Yeah, yeah that's also correct. And, and you know, that's um, it's getting sometimes easier because they cry at the press conference. <laughs> <sake>. you know? <laughs> on that Saturday before the Super Bowl. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Yeah, you know, it's like, gee whiz, you know, you guys save right. it for August. But by then they're so tired, they're, they're crying out of fatigue. Right. But, uh, no, it, it is. The, the Hall 
Hall of Famer is, you know, Alex Karras was not a Hall of Famer, but, you know, still a very good candidate. He wrote a book, and I, I love the title. It's, it's Even Big Guys Cry. Mm-hmm. And that's what really is kind of pretty neat about this. These guys that you think are so invincible that, uh, you know, and, and they're superhuman, they get up on that stage, and you've seen it, you know, too many times. They get up there, and all of a sudden, they think they're pretty tough until they look out and see their wife or their mother or their son or whatever looking up at them, and, and, and then it's over. They, they can't control it. And then that Friday after the Nitschke luncheon, uh, what, what happens next? Well, Where do the they go next? You, yeah, the next uh, real big thing. There's three iconic symbols of being elected to the Hall of Fame, and that's the Hall of Fame bust, which we'll see when they're enshrined at the, on the stage mm-hmm. where they unveil it. Uh, their Hall of Fame ring, which is presented to them back at their home stadium sometime during the season. And then what happens Friday night is they are presented with that third iconic symbol, and that's their gold jacket. And that's where their presenter, along with the commissioner uh, and Steve Perry, our president of the Hall of Fame, uh, will present the new class, their gold jackets, and a really nice celebration. This year, I think it's hosted by... Yeah, who hosts uh, that one this year? This, this year it is hosted by a guy named Rich Eisen. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I think that's my third crack at this, yeah, I think hosting so. this. I'm, I, I, which means I've been asked back yeah, twice, which yes. I'm, I'm pleased. And it really is an honor to do that. It's in it's in the Canton Civic Auditorium, yep. which seats how many people? Uh, well, we get... Well, I, can't, I can't tell you how many it really seats, but we get about... Forty-four hundred people in there <laughs> because it's amazing to me, man. You put tables on top of tables on top, and, and, mm-hmm. and outside of the actual arena where yep. people are watching the ceremony on close circuit television. Yep. I mean, there are tables in atriums. There's tables in hallways. There are tables every, and they're all filled. Yeah, and the amazing thing, and this is little little behind the scenes here, but you know they they get dinner. I mean, this is a, you know a, yeah. a nice fillet dinner and so on. There's no kitchen in the place. So we'll, they literally have caterers out in the driveways cooking on grills. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's a wonderful piece of meat grilled, you know, fresh for you right there. But they get 4,400 meals out in some sort of a timely fashion. It's an amazing thing. And each enshrinee before arriving in the center arena Uh visits all of the outer rooms, correct? Correct. Yeah, they parade them through so that everybody who's attending has an opportunity to get up close and personal. You know, this is the Midwest. We believe in everything being up close and personal. Yeah. (laughs) And it never changes. It's every year. We have uh, have Hall of Famers that uh, some of the locals here, I think they believe believe that they live here because they see them you know, walk around all the time. And it's not a big thing to them, but they, they treat them like they're family here in Canton, for sure. And there's a large runway in the middle of the auditorium mm-hmm. uh, on which all of the returning Hall of Famers walk like, yep. you know, like a supermodel down yep. down the runway mm-hmm. uh, and wave to everybody. And that's the thing I love the most about hosting this. I get to call their names out. It's I get goosebumps just talking about it. But the real goosebump moment is when all of the enshrinees then step to that same catwalk mm-hmm. in the middle of the auditorium. Yep. And their presenter slips the yellow jacket on them. Yeah, you know, John Madden, uh, you know, John's a pretty emotional guy. And uh, after Hall of Fame weekend was over, you know, he went through, the, you know, all the ceremonies, including the enshrinement ceremony. And, uh, you know, he said the most memorable moment for him was having his son put his gold jacket on him. Hmm. He said that was just, you know, just, you know, touched the, uh, all the cords that... Uh, 
that a big guy like him, you would think, gee, this is just another award, but it was not at all. Well, the eight years that I've, because uh, when I haven't hosted, I, I still attend it because I'll never miss it. It's really unbelievable. I'll never forget the one the one jacket moment that I'll never forget that also included family members was Hank Stram's. Oh, moment. yeah. And I'd love for you to, to tell that story because that was, that was something else. Well, yeah, and Hank was struggling that, that time in his life. And, uh, you know, it was one of these things where, his doctor had even advised that he not come to the Hall of Fame, and uh, there was something, and you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it was his doctor said, you know, Hank, I can't, I can't guarantee you'll make it back, and he said, I'm not worried about getting back. You know, that that was how rough it was for him at that time. But you know, he he went through it, and you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, as you recall. I mean, it was just one of these things where you know he just. Uh, Sucked it up one more time for us. Yeah, and his sons, uh, he had both his sons. Yep. Each one took a, a jacket arm and slipped it on his yep. back. And then the yep. three of them huddled up huddled. and cried. Yep, absolutely. In the middle of 4,000 people standing on their feet. Yep. Not and truly, a, not a dry eye in the house. No, there happened. really wasn't. And, and, you know, I think about, you know, moments like that. And Sid Gilman was the same way. He came back when we had our first big reunion of all the Hall of Famers. And, you know, he was confined to a wheelchair at that time. And, and all the, you know, the guys that came over to him that, that he said and realized how much of an influence he had in their lives, it all comes back. And that's the beauty of seeing other Hall of Famers is that you, you have a comparison. You know, you're part of this greatness now. And I don't think there's a Hall of Famer yet that hasn't mentioned during his speech or in some private moment of how humbled he is to be around these guys and not realizing it really until he's there and he sees the old gray-haired guy that uh, that he watched as a kid. Why the yellow jacket? Well, it's gold, Rich. It's oh. gold. Uh-oh. <laughs> Why the gold jacket? Because, well, you know, obviously you, you, you hear the references to... Sure. To certain, you yeah. know, a certain a certain twenty first century and uh, yeah, like, like, real estate. Right. I mean, well, you know. the good news is this: yes, uh, the uh, Hager, who is now one of our proud, proud oh, partners, nice. is going to be replacing all of the various versions of our gold jacket. No over kidding. The, yeah, they're they're in the process of doing. Obviously, it takes a while to catch up with all of our guys and uh, you know get the measurements and all that taken care of. But there are about three or four different shades of gold out there right now, depending upon when you were enshrined. And some of the guys, let's face it, the waist had gotten a little bigger than they were when they were elected. <laughs> they need alterations. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so they're going to get a fresh new gold jacket. Oh. But why? But why? What's the history well, I think, of? I think gold was just you know just a choice of you know gold is regal and you know it's uh, I, I think you know green was already taken. Yes. Uh, so you know. I don't know. There, you could have gone, I suppose, with a blue or a red or something. But mm -hmm. you know, gold just seems like the gold standard, if you will. Right. Very good. And so, after that event is over, mm -hmm. uh, there's a Friday night party. There's yep. a post party, correct? Oh yeah, we don't stop partying. No, no. That's for it's sure. About to say. <laughs> and the enshrinees go from 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 the from the auditorium to the post party. That's correct. Okay. And, and there again, you know, we warn them. You know, be careful. It's, it's only uh, half over. You know? <laughs> don't pull anything. <laughs> don't don't spend. You know. Hydrate, it's basically, yes, exactly. but a, a certain a certain form of hydration. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And a lot of them, you know, to, to be candid, a lot of them just uh, make an appearance and head to their room because yeah. they are too too nervous, and uh, you know, they're going to go polish up their speech and whatever. But their call time Saturday is real early, right? Yeah, I mean, very early because they're in. Then the uh, the Timken Grand Parade, which you know, uh, I've I've been here for thirty five years, 
and I have never seen the parade because I am getting ready for something else called an enshrinement ceremony. Right. So, but I will tell you this, that in, and I don't know who rates parades, but somebody does. Uh, they rate it now, and I believe it's in the top five in the country. Fantastic. I mean, it, it's huge. It's just How it's, many people is it? Well, they have over 250,000 people line the route. But, uh, you know, the numbers of units, I couldn't tell you how many units are in it, but it's, you know, it's right up there with the Rose Bowl Parade or Macy's Parade and all that with a football theme, obviously. And a lot of our Hall of Famers, the returning Hall of Famers are in it. They love it. This, this is the craziest thing. You know, I, I've always wondered, you know, gee, are they doing it just to be supportive? And most of them tell them, oh, no, no, this is really kind of neat. You know, to see those many people call out your name, particularly the older guys, they still love being remembered. Right. And so how many people live in Canton? Well, in the city, we're actually under 90,000 right now. So where, where does everybody come from? Oh, from you name it. This, this we have over the course of the ten days here, the you know the seventeen or eighteen events, mm-hmm. uh, we have over seven hundred thousand participants. Wow. So you go from the parade to... The, the, well, they get a little downtime after the no. parade. Uh, you know, we give them a little break. they got to eat and relax a little bit. Right. Uh, but, the, uh, you know, they'll eventually get to what we call uh, the uh, gold brunch before the enshrinement ceremony. You have to feed them. Gotta we got to feed, feed them. Right. Uh, again, though, some of them are too nervous to eat. But uh, obviously that hasn't stopped most of them. But <laughs> right. But they'll go there, and uh, that'll be back in their hotel where they can easily slip away and go back to the room if they want to. Okay. And uh, eventually we will get them out here to the uh, Hall of Fame mm-hmm. stadium right next door. And that stage right now, Rich, is going to be the largest stage you've ever seen, I think. Really? Uh, as big as it's gotten, it is now we added two um, – 30-foot-wide towers, one on each side of the tent with 24-foot video screens. Wow. So it goes from sideline to sideline now. It, we've added 60 feet of, of width to in, it. In Fawcett Stadium, home, Fawcett. home, home of uh, McKinley. The Canton-McKinley Bulldogs, Canton, yes. Canton-McKinley. So it's a high school football field yes. that seats uh, how many? Well, it, it can seat for a game, 22,000. Uh, <laughs> You know, and, they, and believe me, uh, for those of you out there in the uh, podcast world, yes. 22,000 is not a challenge for the high school teams around here. I love it. It is amazing. I love it. So so then there's the enshrinement ceremony itself, and then, then party they, time. They, then they can finally let their hair down. Well, but it, it used to be, it used to be where everybody scattered around Canton yeah. and got this room or that yeah. catering hall or whatever. Now... It's a tent city, basically, yep. behind the Pro Football Hall of Fame, where you are, You are, I guess, the landlord for all of these parties, yeah, correct? Yeah, for, for the most part, yeah. We turn it over to the, you know, the individual, and, and they have party planners that uh, we help them with. But mm-hmm. uh, basically, they are those semi-permanent uh, you know, metal structure tents that are put up, and they convert those things into you know, reception halls like you've never seen. Right. Uh, some, pretty, some pretty wild stuff has uh, been put in those things. But literally, that's a convenience. Their their guests can walk right from the from the uh, stadium right, right over to the reception, and because we're at night, and the thing runs till you know ten ten o'clock plus, uh, that means that they don't have to load up in the buses and okay. you know travel to a oh, you know yeah. place and all of that. So you're talking we hours of the morning. We now. yeah yeah. This yeah. is exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And 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 will you from because you know Dion and Marshall are having their parties together mm-hmm. as you well yeah. know. Right. Have you heard who the entertainment is for this party? Well, I have. Joe Morgan? <laughs> I have heard it, too. Yes, I have. You you have to get some, something, some artifact, some object mm. for one of your exhibits at the Pro Football <laughs> yeah. Hall of Fame. That, you know, that would not be a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, you know, really, the entertainment that they have lined up is, it's it's primo. Yeah. 
it's primo. So you, you would agree with that. Oh, absolutely. But even though you probably do not have any of the mu- the, the, their music on your, your iPod. No, correct? I don't think I do. But. <laughs> <laughs> so Sunday, because it's not over, Sunday there's a, there's a luncheon. Yeah, right? there's, there's another luncheon lunch in the yeah. same place they had the Friday night dinner. Oh, they, they turned that thing around so many times. In, in between all this on Friday, they had a fashion show for the ladies in the same place. I mean, a high-end fashion show. This is one where we have another three, 4,000 people show up there. But the luncheon on Saturday, or on Sunday, rather, that's really kind of a neat thing. I, that's one of my favorite events. That's where the Hall of Famers uh, sit in a round circle in the middle of the convention center with a moderator and just do a roundtable discussion on everything from life to football life to what they just experienced in their enshrinement. A lot of it's just laughter and, and, you know, making fun of each other and having a good time, uh, particularly if there was somebody that made a flub during their enshrinement speech. So, yeah, it's a great event. It really is. I've hosted that, and and it's sort of like there's a sense of relief. Absolutely. Because everybody's been through the nerve-wracking part. They're officially (laughs) Hall of Famers forevermore, and it's just like there's a certain nervous tension that that underlies every aspect of the week that you just mentioned up until – that luncheon. That luncheon is just everyone's like everyone's had a good night's sleep. They have, you know, I guess, figure, uh, theoretically. And uh, I, I, I loved, I hosted that in 06, I think, which was oh. one of my favorite classes. That was Madden. It was Aikman. It was Harry Carson, right? Yep. And yep. it was uh, Reggie White, correct? Yep. And and uh, I mean the, the colorful characters uh, was was Rayfield right in that one too? Rayfield was in that one. Yeah, I mean there was a and and uh, Reggie White's uh, widow. Yes, correct, Sarah. Was Sarah, and she had the line of the event where she said that you know for any future wives who must go through the enshrinement ceremony in the way that she did, comfortable shoes <laughs> is what she said would be her tip. That she had no idea how much walking and parading around. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, and that's, you know, we try to convey that all, you know, we meet with the Hall of Famers after they're elected at, you know, right at the Super Bowl. Used to be at the Pro Bowl and the Pro Bowl preceded the Super Bowl. Well, we had to flip that. But in any case, um, and we would try to, there's several things we try to convey to them, not the least of which is that this is a lot of planning, guys. You know, be prepared. And that's why we like to meet the wives or we like to meet that person in their life that kind of keeps them in line because eventually <laughs> that's going to be who has to do all the work. But we do tell them it's going to be an exhausting experience, but one you'll never forget. I have a few more questions for you. Yep. A few more questions sure. for you. Uh, Dion this year, is he the first one coming in with a whole slew of youth football players that he's coaching? You know what? Uh, Bruce Smith came in with uh, a youth football team when he was elected. Not that many. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dion is coming in with, guys, 225, I think there are. Yeah, he's, he told me like seven busloads. Yeah. And, and he's going on a tour, basically, with yep. the team. Uh, he's he's traveling the country all week, and and then he l- lands in Canton midweek. Yep. I mean, how could how could he have these teams and be out there and not come to his enshrinement ceremony? He hey, he almost didn't come to his know, his announcement ceremony. Announcement Do you remember he showed up? He showed up. He showed up, and and his coaching whistle still around his neck. <laughs> You know, because he was coaching, because... he was coaching a youth football game at the time of his announcement, yep. and to him, to him, that was his priority. He That's was Coach correct. Sanders, and he can't tell his kids that he's coaching that that you're above the team if he's leaving to go to go celebrate his announcement of the Pro Football yep. Hall of Fame. And and so he he basically waited till till the game was over till he got in the car. That's right. You know, and what's really neat, Mitch, is you know these kids don't know they they never saw Dion play. 
as much as he might tell them that he was a great football player, they don't have a point of reference. Right. I can remember uh, Joe DeLamalier, who was in the Hall of Fame. Before he was elected to the Hall of Fame, he was coaching a high school football team down in South Carolina. And he used to bring them up here, you know, was a part of that experience. And he would always call me in advance and say, hey, would you get out, you know, the Bills highlight film? He says, these guys don't really believe that I played ball. And, you know, it was that, it was that validation for him that he could show these kids that, you know, hey, it's not just uh, blowing smoke. But for Dion, you know, this is a great opportunity. These kids are going to see this enshrinement ceremony. It's probably the biggest thing they've ever seen. And there's this guy that's been telling them all about, you know, what he's accomplished. Now here's the validation and, and the truth is we will use that phrase. I can't wait for his speech. I mean, because I have, you know, he, 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 he's going to lay, I mean, he's going to lay it on the line. And I have no idea what he's going to say. Nor do I. And, and <laughs> that's my other question is how much do you have over over these speeches? Because some of them go on forever. Yeah. And I know that the hall had to basically corral the presenters mm-hmm. in because I was there for a few, a few <laughs> corkers from the presenters yeah. that were yeah. longer than the actual in, in Chinese. Yeah. So what, what can you tell the fan about the oversight process on these speeches? Well, the oversight process is this. You know, we, we try our best to guide them and give them in a, in a kind of a, a general sense of here's the amount of time you will have. And then when their jaw drops to their chest, we try to explain that, you know, this is a televised event. We've got about a three-hour window. This year we have seven enshrinees, seven presenters, seven bust unveilings, pause in between for applause. We've got commercials and we have uh, various perfunctory introductions and so on to, to get through the show. Do the math, guys. You know, if each of you spoke for an hour, we'd be into day two. So, you know, we we try to make that point. But we also understand it's important for us to remember this, that we're not just producing a show. We're asking someone to accept an honor for a career. It is so hard for anyone to summarize in, in the amount of time that we give them a career. And we we know that. And, you know, frankly, I have to apologize more often than not for, you know, being a little insistent on some of the lengths uh, but uh, I'm generally ignored, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one year I hosted, you you basically wanted to. For I won't call anybody out. You wanted to. You wanted to give me a large cane so I could hook somebody off the stage well, by the I'll neck. Say, we have tried it. It was primarily, as you mentioned, the presenters because the presenters they had a challenge. They wanted to you know do their their honorary justice, but they didn't. They weren't necessarily polished speakers, and they would go on and on and on, repeat themselves, and then wouldn't know how to end. And we tried a countdown clock that they could see. Mm-hmm. We tried colored light bulbs. We tried on-off music. We tried everything. They just ignored it. When Dan Deardorff was elected, he walked up to the podium and unscrewed the light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> well, the presenters uh, in, in particular, you know, yeah. I know one year you guys, you, you, you attempted to have the presenters type out their speeches uh-huh. and hand them in so you knew exactly how long they would be. Yep. And and I've told this story before, so you can call this you can you can mention this person by name because if you don't, I will. There was the next year. There was one present. All the presenters complied, except for one. Right? Well, yeah. You. you Who is that one person? Well, <laughs> Come on, go ahead and say it, Joe. Because if you don't, I will. You go ahead. You go ahead. Rich said it, not me. Al Davis. Yeah. Well, we have. You know, I will say this. In Al's case, he had done it so many times 
that he knew what he was going to say, and he and there wasn't anything I could do to change that. And it was for Madden too. That's correct. I mean, so so it, you know, if you weren't going to get it from Al, you're going to get it from John anyway. But right. the 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 thing that. I guess really uh, struck me it was the the final year before we did convert to videotape. Now we do videotape pre- presentations, so everybody understands the presenters no longer speak, and the videos are terrific because they're they're edited down to where the important points are made. The the uh, NFL Films and NFL Network together work uh, work together rather to produce a beautiful piece, and it does the enshriney the most. Uh, it's most beneficial to the enshriney because it highlights him. But what I was going to say is the year before we converted to videos, I thought you were going to tell this story as I you know as I would I would insist that the presenters give me their speech. Mm-hmm. Well, they would give them to me, and then they'd go to the podium, and they never even looked at them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they would start, and then that was it. Then they, they would wing it from that point on. You know, I'm looking at these scripts I have here. I'm saying, what where is that? <laughs> You're like, where, 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 where is that one? And the, the year I hosted it, because Berman um, presented uh, Ralph, Ralph Wilson, Wilson right? and the year I hosted the entire event, which is a career pinnacle, mm. as thrilling as it could possibly get, I'll tell this story. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell this story. Uh, there were two um, posthumous enshrinees, mm-hmm. Bullet uh, Bob Hayes mm-hmm. and uh, Derek Thomas. Yes. Okay. Who were being presented by Roger Staubach for Bullet Bob Hayes. Right. And for uh, Derek Thomas was the, uh, oh God, why am I Carl Peterson. Yeah, Carl Peterson. Good, mm-hmm. good Lord. How, I don't know why I blank on his name. Carl mm-hmm. Peterson. So you told the presenters five minutes, that's it. That's what you told him. Yep. Uh, uh, Roger Staubach, being the good Navy man that he is, <laughs> and a man who's a Pro Football Hall of Famer, so he's sat through a lot of these speeches. Five minutes on the dot. Carl Peterson, how long did he go? 20 minutes? 21 minutes? Probably something like that? It was close to 24. Okay. Yeah. That's how long he went. To the point where, I, I swear, I went and I sought you out in the back <laughs> saying, should I do something? Something. Yep. Should I do something? And you, to your credit, you, you know, because like I said, you are salt of the earth. You basically shrugged your shoulders. You're like, I, I, there's nothing that can be done. Yep. So at that point, I turn to go back to the stage <laughs> and who's standing right in front of me, but Roger Staubach. And he says to me, Rich, I was told to go five minutes. I went five minutes and Carl's going on about three times that long. And all I could think of was, me being like a six-year-old sitting in my basement in Staten Island, New York, in front of the black and white or color TV or whatever, mm-hmm. watching Roger Staubach play cowboy games, you know, sitting there in a shotgun with <laughs> Tom Landry in the hat on the sidelines and his offensive line, you know, doing that stand up and then get down thing as part of the, the snap count. And I thought like the six-year-old in me is like, oh, my God. This is Roger Staubach talking to me. <laughs> and then and he's the, asking you to help. I know. And then the 40-year-old the in me, I'll say this too, I'm like, oh, shit. Roger Staubach is pissed at me. <laughs> what do I do? Uh, well, it's kind of like the old line, uh, Steve Schoenfeld, who played, you know, was a great hockey player, but when he got into coaching, <laughs> he got uh, penalized once for throwing a water bottle at one of the game officials. And after the uh, incident, he was asked by a member of the media, why'd you throw a water bottle at him? And he says, because I didn't have a brick. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's where Roger was at that point. He was. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, A couple, I could talk to you forever, but, you know, I know you've got, you know, stuff to do. And so um, 
uh, I'll throw this out there. Which team, which team brings the most fans when the player is associated with that team goes in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Well, you know, it's it's kind of easy here because we're we're centrally located and we're close to uh, we're an hour away from Cleveland, two hours from Pittsburgh, uh, four from Buffalo, Detroit, and Cincinnati. So those are the cities that are going to you know have some really great shows uh, of fans, but. Uh, when uh, the Steelers of the 70s were being enshrined, we were inundated by Steeler fans. When Marino came, uh, Miami came in force. When Elway came, you know, it sold out in minutes. So I, I guess it's the geography as much as the player sometimes. But um, on a consistent basis, I'd say I'd have to say Pittsburgh has made uh, their imprint here. Well, Marino's from you know Western PA, sure. so that 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 added too. I, I remember because he was he was uh, one of the players going in when the last time I I hosted the Enshrinees dinner, the jacket ceremony on the Friday night, and every time Dan moved to just pick <laughs> exactly. up his fork, he got a standing ovation. <laughs> exactly, it was remarkable. <laughs> Uh, and and I guess in a, in a way the harmonic convergence might be uh, Jim Kelly being yeah. a Western PA guy who's yep. associated with Buffalo. You were inundated when he went in. Yeah, correct? that was the first. You know, that was the first time we moved from the front steps of the hall into the stadium, and for that very reason, uh, I'm originally from Buffalo, so I kept hearing from all my friends. You know, you have no idea how many people are coming. All I knew at that point was that we didn't have the room for them in the front of the Hall of Fame. We had had some construction on the freeway that runs in front of us. It came eight feet closer, and we were already having fans sit on the uh, berms, which was very dangerous. So we said, we have to make the move, and thank goodness we did, because they came in force. So, so Jim Kelly was the reason why the ceremony that was held so many years in front of the steps of the, the actual it, it, it Pro Football the Hall of Fame building. It was the final straw that broke the camel's back. We had been considering it, right. and uh, you know there was a lot of tradition to those front steps. But we knew that if you put it in the stadium, for one thing, you know, people got a chair. You know? Right. <laughs> when you're doing it out in front of the Hall of Fame, there was limited seating, and then you got far, farther and farther back. The acoustics were horrible. Uh, you couldn't see anything. It's, you know, it's a little hilly in the area. So the stadium was a logical thing to do. We just, uh, for the sake of tradition, I think, resisted it. Uh, and the size of the crowds didn't dictate it at that time. Mm-hmm. So that year was the one where we said, this is probably the chance we're going to need. And we are darn glad we did it. Lastly, uh, no game this year, Joe. Huh? What was that process like for you throughout the lockout as the days ticked on and on and on with you knowing that your game was the first one that was sitting there on the chopping block? Yeah, we, you know, it was obviously a little bit uh, nerve-wracking. As we got closer and closer and we started thinking this is getting less and less likely, we began to have to at least mentally deal with it. But we had to proceed as if it were happening because we kept, you know, being told, as, as the world was being told, nothing has been canceled yet. There's, you know, no uh, agreement. But, you know, everybody's planning for a game. So we continued to plan and we were prepared for the game. Uh, but when we finally got the word that it, you know, it had become a casualty, you know, uh, we we put out a release basically saying we were disappointed. But, and the but part is to have 10 years of stability. We know what that means to the NFL. We know what that means to the players. But we also know that it has a really good effect on football and the and the general feeling and and you know all things good again. That that will pay dividends to us too. You know, you don't like it when, when, you know, there's a lockout or a potential strike. The fans stop liking football, at least temporarily. And that hurts us. You know, we, you know we're the good news people. Uh, so we feel that this will give us a chance to, you know, know the future. 
Uh, hopefully it still means that there will be Hall of Fame games in the future. If not, we will adjust. Again, I, I have to remind people, the real reason we're here in the big event is the enshrinement ceremony. Nothing else really matters. That's the key. And, and you just made my point that I made at the outset, Joe, is that you leave there saying, even though everybody puts their heart and soul, emotions, energies into this thing all year round, none of it is, none of the fingers are pointed at your chest. They're all they're all pointed in the direction of the game and the celebration of it. That the fact that you would sit there and find the silver lining of a ten year collective bargaining agreement of labor peace in this whole thing, it's it's remarkable to me. Uh, but did did you not uh, try? Uh, was there anything going on behind the scenes to try and and have a, a an alternative arrangement once well, to have somebody play some sure, football on that you know, field? We we had a lot of people offer suggestions, and and first of all the the, the first thing you have to roll out is NFL teams, because if we could have a team there for some other reason, we'd have had them play a game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the game, the game was out. We knew that once it was canceled, but up to the point that it was canceled, we had to commit the stadium to that. Now that meant that rules out pretty much anything else that you would need a stadium for, because, you know, who's going to come in at the last minute that could, you know, fill it. You know, in other words, you couldn't have a concert per, for instance, because, you know, you have to book that a year or two years out, uh, not a week before. Uh, and then other alternatives were people saying, well, why don't you have, you know, uh, you know, Ohio State come up and scrimmage? Well, that's great, except, you know, Ohio State has a schedule that they've booked and taken care of, and they're, you know, whoever and wherever they're doing it, look forward to it as well. So we couldn't steal an event. Uh, so there really wasn't anything we could create in that short order that was um, needed, that a, need, a stadium was needed for. Now, what we did do is, we, like you mentioned, the game day roundtable luncheon, that's a Sunday event. There's all sorts of events going on all day Sunday, building up to what used to be the game. Those events are still going on. We've enhanced them a bit where we could, but we have no room to put another event in. Right. Uh, but, for instance, we have a tailgate party that preceded the game. We're still having the party. We still have, <laughs> Good for We've you. got 2,000 people you know, uh, bought tickets for it, and rather than just say we're, we're not going to have it, not only are we going to have it, we're, we're having uh, 12 of the Hall of Famers come by and visit and hobnob with you during the course of that event. Fantastic. Good for you, uh, Joe. Uh, you're the best. You are the best at what you do. And like you're, like I said, you're a bon ami and you're, <laughs> the way you go about it, it's infectious. And everybody loves seeing you and dealing with you. And that, that's me included. I, I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate advance. those kind words. You're welcome. And again, for my Friday night, because we're getting my third go round, uh, you've got you've got my green room all set up, correct? I got your, you got well, everything? your room's got a little green something in it. I'm not sure what oh, it is. Oh, but... okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, room temperature, water, you've got that all set for me, right? Yeah, the room uh, is about 60 degrees, okay. that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> that, that, that's okay. But uh, uh, the M&M's with, uh, with, uh, without plain, not peanut, because you don't want oh, you, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want us to husk them this time. You, no. Shells on yeah, okay actually, that wouldn't be a bad idea. I forgot you did that for me. <laughs> and and last thing, I don't care about sharing this. Uh, you do. I will be wearing the Otto Graham unitard underneath <laughs> my suit again, correct? Yeah, you're the only guy that likes that thing. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to bust that out of the exhibit, and I get to wear it underneath my suit again, right? I mean, oh, you bet. Okay, good. Here's See hoping that? nobody grabs you. So that's why I say you're accommodating. You're accommodating <laughs> above all else. Joe, thanks again. Look forward to seeing you. Rich, we will see you soon. You bet. That is the one and only Joe Horgan, Vice President of Communications and Exhibits of the Pro Football Hall of Fame on the Rich Eisen Podcast. So I want to thank Dion. I want to thank Richard Dent. I want to thank Joe Horgan for making uh, this a special podcast. To be very honest, I was going to throw Joe Horgan in with my other podcast this week, which is coming out on Thursday in its normal spot. 
airing on Thursday night in its normal day on NFL Network. Al Michaels, Hank Azaria, Jason Bateman was going to throw Joe Horrigan in. But uh, the conversation was so great, 40-some-odd minutes long, that we decided to make our own podcast out of it. Called up Dion. He was special. And Richard Dent, I want to thank him again for calling in those guys making some time. All three of them could not be busier, could not have more going on in their lives. And I, I appreciate them calling in. So do watch NFL Network all week long for the lead up to Canton. Please watch all of our coverage starting from Canton live on Friday on NFL Total Access. I'll be there with Mariucci. I'll be there with Michael Irvin. We'll have it all covered for you. Saturday, we're there all day. I'll be sitting out there in Fawcett Stadium. Please tune in for that. And then I might have to live tweet at Rich Eisen from the Dion Marshall party with Nelly representing Marshall St. Louis side of things. Snoop representing the prime side of things and then prime actually performing. I hope I'm off the set in time to actually see that performance. And uh, next week's podcast, we're going to be all over Canton. I'll be interviewing as many hall of famers as possible. We'll put it together. That's next week's podcast. So for all your housekeeping duties, just follow uh, at the Eisen podcast. Everything will be on there. Also on NFL.com slash Rich Eisen. Please make sure you download the, if you will, regular podcast this week. Al Michaels will be all over all the free agent moves with the voice of Sunday Night Football on NBC. Jason Bateman, whose movie The Change Up is in theaters this week. And uh, Hank Azaria, my guy, uh, star of the Smurfs and uh, a big Jet fan. So it's all on iTunes at NFL.com slash Rich Eisen. This is Rich saying booyah. Peace out. Stay listening to 